This is Ira on Sports 95.9, 106.9 in West Palm Beach, and we're honored to have back on again the CBS announcer, football announcer, Andrew Catalan. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for coming back to uh, talk to our show and to talk about maybe the greatest weekend of NFL games ever. <laughs> yeah, Ira, what an amazing weekend. Thanks for having me back on. And I don't see an argument to, to the contrary. I mean, every game decided on the final play of the game. You, you can't beat that. Yeah, I mean, to go in first, let's let's the Cincinnati-Tennessee game, uh, that was just, it was like one of those games where, I mean, again, when you, the teams have the bye, Tennessee and Green Bay, you thought that was going to be a huge advantage. And But Cincinnati was able to, to, it seemed like, control the game and take advantage of Tannehill's turnovers and, and his interceptions at the end. And I really think, in my opinion, it was the special teams. Uh, they drafted a kicker in the fifth round, Evan McPherson, and he really came through throughout the entire game making big kicks, whereas uh, Tennessee was not able to have their kicker make those kicks. Yeah, I think special teams uh, overall on the weekend played an underrated part in all of these games. I think it was a, a huge factor, and you pointed out the Cincinnati kicker, uh, McPherson, just uh, so clutch and so confident really throughout the whole year, and it showed up on Saturday in Nashville. And, you know, I had the Titans in Week 18 uh, against Houston, the, the game that uh, prompted them to clinch home field advantage. And, you know, a really impressive defense, really strong coaching but their offense was a little uneven this year. And there was times, like in Week 18, when Tannehill played spectacular football, and there was other times where they struggled. I mean, we, even, we, saw, we saw that even some wins in, in December, like the San Francisco game. They didn't play great on offense, but they figured out a way to win. And You know, this was one of those games where their offense didn't bring its A game. I, I agree with you. I think maybe the week off hurt this team a little bit. It did give Derrick Henry an extra week to get healthy, but – you know, they were in a pretty good role going into the playoffs, and uh, that offense just never fired. So, you, you know, you give your, uh, you tip your cap to Cincinnati. I mean, to go on the road and win that game, I give them a lot of credit, and they're going to be a fun team to watch for a long time in the AFC. Yeah, when the score was 16 16, uh, Cincinnati had the ball. Burrow had his seven sack. He ended up having nine sacks for the game. And then Tennessee got it down as fourth and one. They had a chance for a 53-yard field goal, but they gave it to Henry, and I think getting him stopped. So they had the two chances, 16-16. Henry was stopped on fourth down, and then Tannehill threw the interception uh, uh, to Logan Wilson and the second time they had the ball. Yeah, no, good points. And, you know, I think that's going to be a game that Tennessee is really going to kick itself for a long time. Again, not taking anything away from Cincinnati, but, when you're the one seed, you're at home, you've got Derrick Henry back. You know, you, you know this was a team that, that expected to play for the AFC Championship game this upcoming weekend. And I think that, you know, obviously every team is disappointed when they're knocked out. But I, this was a really good chance for Tennessee this year, uh, especially with home field. And, and there's a lot of regrets that they're going to have about what happened on Saturday. But I don't see them moving on from Tannehill. I mean, it, it seemed like he played well enough this year in games, and they're sort of expecting it. I mean, I think some people are saying, oh, get rid of Tannehill. But I, I just don't see them moving on, especially next year, uh, uh, you know, unless you know, Aaron Rodgers wants to come play in Tennessee or something. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, I mean, you know, I think Tannehill's done a really good job since coming to Tennessee. The record speaks for itself. And, um, you know, that team, especially on offense, was not at full strength the entire year. I mean, you could count on one hand the number of games that Tannehill, Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown 
uh, played together. I mean, they were just in and out of the lineup the whole year. And I think that hurt them a little bit, especially here on Saturday. It's not to make an excuse. I still think Tannehill is a very capable quarterback. I still think no matter what, Tennessee's going to be built around Derrick Henry. And Tannehill's a good complement to that. But, you know, they had a chance at home on Saturday and didn't get it done. And and they're going to have some big questions to answer in the offseason about, you know, some of their offensive line is aging. You know, how do they want to approach that? And can they bring some of these guys back? Because they do have some good core pieces that are going to be pretty pricey. So they they have some decisions to make. And, and uh, you know, I think they have a good good leadership there. John Robinson, the GM, and Mike Rabel, to me, was the coach of the year this year. So I think they have good pieces in place, and it's just now putting it all together. And talk about a team with questions is the next game on Saturday was Green Bay, San Francisco. And I love statistics. And when you look at some of those stats in the middle of the second quarter and, and you have a team with minus 10 yards, which San Francisco had, and the fact that they, I think they completed their first pass with five minutes to go in the, in the second quarter. Just, it, just amazing the fact that they were simply out of this game, could not get anything going offensively. And then, but but the inability, you know, you expect in a game like this, to Green Bay to be up twenty four to three, running away with this, coasting. Uh, and I think that's where the criticism of Aaron Rodgers comes is the fact that he was not able. You know, you can complain about special teams and about those things, but Aaron Rodgers was not able to get that distance and score those touchdowns. Besides that first drive, really mounting nothing the rest of the game. Yeah, clearly special teams mistakes by Green Bay, but when you ask me to sum up the game, I would do it the same way as you. I mean, the offense didn't perform. I mean, you expect so much more from Aaron Rodgers in that offense, especially coming off a a week off, especially with Matt LaFleur. A lot of people thought he should be coach of the year for the way that he put together the Packers and the way that he dials up that offense. So to me, that was the story. And a lot of credit to the San Francisco defense. They played well. They've had a good system in place the last couple of years with Robert Sala as the defensive coordinator, then moving over to the Jets. But now they got the Miko Ryans. I mean, they, they, have, they have some really good coaching and leadership, and they have some very talented players. But, you know, to me, this is a, this is a Packers offensive failure in this game. There's no excuse to, to not get in the end zone more than they did. And, uh, you know, again, another long winter coming for Green Bay fans especially when we saw the fireworks from both teams on Sunday. And then you thought about on fourth and one, San Francisco stopped at this. It was six minutes and 14 seconds to go on the 19 and Rashawn Gary stops them on fourth and one. And you're like, I said, the game's over. There's no way you're stopped on fourth and one and green Bay goes three and out. They get the punt blocked and they go three and out again. So the last six plays were four incompletions. Uh, one, it was just, it was just, that was the, and you're seeing these other teams score in a second. And, and it's like, all you're asking Aaron Rodgers to do at the point is just get a first down, just get a first down, do something. And, and, and that was what I think was surprising. And then that last throw that he threw to Devontae Adams, which is like this 50-yard pass, it seemed like a desperation throw when really you just needed a first down. And there was other players, I think Lazard was open, other players were open on that play. It's just very weird ending of, the, of that game. Yeah, very sloppy. And, you know, and, you know, San Francisco hanging around as long as they did, that, that's, that's it's exactly right. I mean, they, they could have folded up the tent in the first half. Nothing was really going their way. But the Packers could not put them away, and, and there they are. I mean, I think Kyle Shanahan's an excellent coach, and you know a lot of people take shots at Jimmy Garoppolo, and I understand it. But he he found a way to come out on top in the end, even though it was you know more about the defense and the special teams miscues, and you know the inability of the Packers' offense. But they had their chances; they didn't capitalize, and, and 
a lot of times in January, that's that's all you need, just to keep moving on another week, uh, survive in advance, and that's what the 49ers did. Right, right, and that. So I guess, what's your opinion about uh, about Aaron Rodgers and where it seemed it seemed different? It's you know, I just have a feeling that the way this ended, I, I just what's your feeling is where he would go? Is he going to would he inter- interested to stay in Green Bay or is he going to go move on to another team? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a hard guy to figure out. Right, I think that's where <laughs> that's where we should start. I mean, I don't know if he knows what he's planning to do, but I think that if you try to read the tea leaves with him, it, it gets dangerous because. Um, he's a tough guy to figure. I mean, I, you know, I did did watch the post game press conference, and you know, it does seem like that whatever um, animosity he had with the team in the front office in the last off season, it seems like that's diminished to me. Again, from an outsider perspective, it doesn't seem to be as strong as it was before the year. So, if you're a Packers fan and you want him to come back, which I assume you do, I think that's an encouraging sign. But if you were to tell me that he woke up tomorrow and wants to retire or if he's done with Green Bay, I mean, I would believe anything based on the way that he has kind of gone about his year and his career. I mean, it's just been a very – he's not a very easy guy to solve, and, and I don't expect many changes uh, in this offseason. I do like what he said, though, about you know, letting Green Bay know before the draft. I mean, you've got to have a plan in place before free agency, before the draft – so that you know you don't completely mess up the organization. So to hear him say that, I thought was at least one thing that hopefully this won't drag out like it did in the past. And then on Sunday, I you know, you've covered so many of these West Coast teams coming East Coast and time zone and whatever. And boy, the Rams that first half they were they were on a roll. I was there in Tampa and saw it live, and it was just like it it, it could have been worse. I mean, they could have scored that touchdown at the end and made it. 27 to 3 at halftime. It was like Tampa could do nothing on offense and uh, and the Rams could do whatever they wanted on offense. Yeah, wow. What what a game. I mean, the, the fumbles by the Rams, um, the mistakes, the snaps. I mean, there's so many things that happen in that game that you think back like you need to watch it four times <laughs> just to kind of remember all the craziness that happened and you know the whole time in the second half all I was thinking about was the Super Bowl. 28 to 3 Atlanta New England and just you know I think Al Michaels was was incredible just saying like well, why shouldn't we believe that this would happen like we've seen it before with Tom Brady and you just definitely got that sense that the Rams had all these chances couldn't put them away couldn't put them away Tampa Bay's hanging around and, and then in the end credit to the Rams for making the big plays they needed to get to get in field goal range at the end I mean that was that was just remarkable uh, back and forth. And, you know, you thought, oh, that, that'll be the game of the day. And then we, and then we had the game of the year, maybe the, game, the best game ever uh, later on. But, but that, was a, that was a game that we should not forget because there were so many twists and turns that made for an exciting start to uh, Divisional Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I was at the stadium and I saw fans, the Tampa fans started to leave like in the middle of the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking, wait, this is a Rams team that blew a 17-point lead to the 49ers just two weeks ago. And this is Tom Brady. So you have the combination of someone who always comes back and some team that blows the lead. And uh, it was, it was, what about the end? You know, I think... That's what Arians was. I heard the press co- the press conference at the end where he said, "I thought once we got to overtime, we'd have the advantage." And I think that McVay going for it with those those passes to Cup there, those two passes, the short pass and then the long pass. That was the aggressiveness. That was I think it surprised Tampa Bay also that uh, they would they didn't just settle for the overtime and say, "Let's lick our wounds and and see what happens in overtime." 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely was thinking, would Arians go for two? And, and I guess the rationale would be, like, you've got a team that's rattled in the Rams, you know, you know, coughing up that big lead. They're on the road. You have momentum on your side. You know, but, but again, as we saw in the, in the last game, it, overtime could have came down to a coin toss as well, as, as we saw with the Chiefs. So, you know, I think that was a really fascinating decision. Arians obviously decided the extra point. And then, you know, to me – you could tell me what happened, and this is what should have happened, but you can never lose the team's best player in crunch time. And that's what happened with Cooper Cup. I mean, you know, to, to lose him on that last drive, like, you know, to me, that, that's, a, that's just a bad job. I mean, I, I don't know how it happened. You always tell me the, the coverages and the guys slip, whatever the case may be. And I heard the explanations. You can't lose Cooper Cup when he had this all-world season. And that happened, and to the Rams, they get to host the NFC Championship game now. And then you lead into, the, of course, the final game. And I missed the first half because I'm trying to get, I'm listening on the radio, so I'm driving to a sports bar after the game and, and got, just got there to see the whole second half. And I'm like, I'm, I'm mad that I missed the first half, but then I got to see the, the, you know, the craziest ending of a game between the Bills and the Chiefs. And I think the one thing is like, you know, on one hand, we're bashing the Bills for with the night with the uh, 13 seconds and how did you let that happen? But how many times the Chiefs gave up? I mean, the Bills scored two times. They, they they converted two fourth downs on that drive. It was like fourth and 16 when they scored that touchdown. So you can criticize the Chiefs defense for letting the Bills go down and score. Yeah, I mean that was an unbelievable game. I, I really do feel bad for the fans in the city of Buffalo because you know 13 seconds left, you think it's over and. You know, if you want to go back and second-guess any decisions in that game, to me it's just the kickoff with 13 seconds left. Uh, you know, I, I think you have to kick it short to the five-yard line or squib it, if you will. You, you have to run, even if it's two, three, four seconds off the clock. You have to do that in that situation, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, you can, certainly the defenses for both teams did not make clutch plays, and these quarterbacks are just absolutely amazing uh, Gabriel Davis, phenomenal game. Tyreek Hill, I mean, that, that's what a weapon he is and some of the things that he did in this game yesterday. So, But, you know, I, I go back to the kickoff and, and just wonder if the Bills would, would love to do over on that one because, uh, again, you should say your defense should not be able to give up all that yards in 13 seconds, but would have been a lot easier if there's only eight or nine seconds on the clock. Right. I know you, you cover so many AFC games because of C, your coverage with CBS, and as someone who's a Steeler fan myself, I'm like watching this game and I'm saying, we have no chance. Like you have a conference, whereas the NFCs, their quarterbacks are getting older and, and you have the Wils, Russell Wilson and you have the Brady's and the Rodgers. But in the AFC, you look at, you know, uh, uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I mean, these are all, you know, 25 and 26 and under quarterbacks. And you're like, if you're a Steeler fan, if you're a Jets fan, you're like, Oh, I mean, we really, I mean, it's going to take a lot to get these, these, like, how are you going to beat? How is a Steeler quarterback going to come? And they were playing at such a high level. You're just wondering what, how the Steelers will ever, I mean, in my lifetime now, will the Steelers make a Super Bowl? <laughs> it is amazing. And, and I mean, you, you even mentioned the Jets, but I mean, like, obviously he didn't have a good year, but he was, Zach Wilson still the number two overall pick. You know, Mac Jones had a really good year. You, you throw those guys into the mix and you think about what the future is in the AFC, and you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, it's still Allen and, and Mahomes are in a class by themselves. But, yeah, I mean, Herbert is, is right there. Joe Burrow is right there and still playing. 
Um, so it, it really is amazing just the, uh, the talent in the AFC. And, and, yeah, if you don't have a quarterback right now, it's going to be hard to beat some of these other guys for a long time. And then looking forward to this weekend, the weekend's games, I know Cincinnati a few weeks ago had a shootout and was able to defeat Kansas City, but I think Kansas City just keeps improving and improving, and, I, and, and it just it seems to me with Cincinnati's offensive line just giving up nine sacks to Tennessee, I just don't see how Cincinnati can stay in this game with Kansas City, but what's your opinion of that game uh, this weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I would. I think that they're, you know, a deserving favorite, Kansas City, and and playing in that stadium is going to be a massive challenge because remember their first meeting was in Cincinnati, but you know I didn't give the Bengals much of a chance last month when they beat them. So, you know, I, I think this is a team that is uh, in Cincinnati that's that's playing really well. They have a lot of confidence. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the moment. I mean, Burrow doesn't give off that impression that he's you know, scared of the moment, and that makes them dangerous. Again, I would probably pick the Chiefs. They're a deserving favorite at home coming off an incredible game, but, you know, Cincinnati already beat them once, and then I think they're going to go in there with uh, with nothing to lose, and, and, and that makes them a dangerous team on Sunday. And then in the second game, I was driving in today, and I was listening to Bart Scott. I remember when, when the Jets won – uh, and then he goes, you know, what, you know, uh, the next game when he made that comment about playing the Steelers, but he says, he goes, uh, uh, um, you know, the point was though, that they were exhausted. The, it seems like the, like the Jets, he said, he was making the point that we were exhausted. We were, you know, we had nothing for the Steelers. And, uh, I just, you wonder if the 49ers after this just great win over Dallas and the great win over Green Bay, like, I know they have the Rams numbers, but is, do they have anything left for the Rams who are now going to go back home? And maybe there'll be a lot of 49er fans there, but just, it seems like they might've just run out of gas. They might run out of gas. Yeah, I mean, you think back to the last week of the season when San Francisco was down big in a game they had to have just to get in the playoffs in L.A. and the comeback they put forward. You know, I think Shanahan, uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I think it's like six in a row that they've, you know, they've had McVay's number. There's a lot of history on San Francisco's side, but, you know, I think that uh, yesterday was the first time I really saw that Rams team with all the pieces they brought in Von Miller and Odell, it just seems like they're finally clicking and playing at home. And I know there was a lot of 49er fans there in Week 18, but playing at home, coming off the kind of game that they just had in Tampa Bay, you know, I, I think that, that that you know the Rams have a, have a really good chance here at home, especially knowing the Super Bowl would be on their field. I mean, there's a lot in their favor right now, and I like the momentum that the Rams bring into this game. Yeah, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., the first couple games, he had that one big game and a couple touchdowns, but I think the Tampa Bay game was the first game where you really saw him. Just It seemed like he's now on a flow with Stafford. Remember, he came in the middle of the year. They didn't have a training camp, weren't worked together, but it just, I see how they're running patterns. And even on the sidelines, McVay, even when everything was going wrong, I saw McVay going over to Stafford and Odell and Cup and like, you know, getting those, you know, three and them with McVay together saying, this is what we're going to be doing. It just seems like it's, it's you know, he's just falling in now getting much more comfortable into that offense yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. and also let's not forget about von miller too because he was he was a little banged up when the when they got him from denver and didn't really make a huge presence you know in the regular season but he was a beast against tampa bay uh yesterday and you know i think the two of them the the energy that they've brought in and just how seamless they've kind of now been uh, assimilated into the system 
Um, makes them a very dangerous duo. And, and, you know, obviously the Rams mortgaged a lot to get these. Well, not as much Odell, but they mortgaged a lot of draft picks when you talk about Jalen Ramsey, you talk about Von Miller. I mean, they, they've given up a lot to peak right now. Uh, this is their time, and, and you know, I think, they, I think they could take advantage of it. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you coming on. with This has been Andrew Catalan from CBS Sports. We just love when you cover the games and, and listening and certainly the Dolphin games. And I really appreciate you coming on and just giving sort of a summary of, I, I guess, one of the, I mean, it's fun for you. I guess you cover so many of these games and you have to be objective. And then when you're at home, you could just enjoy watching it uh, because I know you're getting ready for college basketball season now. So that must have been just a great, you know, four games this weekend. Yeah, it was, Ira. Thanks for having me back on. And, and you know, I, it's nice to just do what everybody else does and uh, sit up on the couch and watch these games. It was phenomenal theater. And hopefully two more good ones on Sunday. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to this. We're looking forward to listening to you on college basketball throughout the uh, rest of the season and the uh, college and the NCAA tournament. So thanks a lot, Andrew, for thanks, coming Ira. on. Thank you.